The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded, and this is America's Web Radio. We're going to get into this right away today with something that I think is a phenomenal turn of events. Apparently, there was an official, a government official, that actually was prosecuted for lying on a gun application. Now, usually these politicians, you know what they get away with. They can do almost anything, and they call somebody or do something, and they get out of it. They don't end up being prosecuted. They don't end up getting in trouble. But this guy, apparently, he went a little too far, or the state decided that they're going to stop giving these politicians a bit of leeway. And this is a former South Carolina county councilman was given a maximum 18-month sentence for lying about an indictment on child sex charges when he tried to buy a gun. <laughs> now, maybe it was because of the, the nature of the offense that he got hit with the hardest possible uh, <clears throat> sentence here. But still, I just find it awesome that they find someone lying on an application be given a jail term or be given a sentence. That is fantastic. If they would do this every time, then... The people trying to buy guns illegally would be much less likely to do such, which is what I'd love to see. Because there was a time, I remember reading a stat in, my, in the state of Georgia here, where they had over 1,800 attempts by, possible, by convicted felons or people who had issues with their background and could not legally buy a gun and knew they weren't supposed to do it, and they attempted anyway. Now, they were able to stop these 1,800 people, but they didn't prosecute them at all for any any type of jail term, any type of fine, nothing. No prosecutions were made. <clears throat> and if you want gun control, this is the perfect way to start. Enforce the laws we already have. There's thousands and thousands of laws concerning guns on the books already. Let's enforce those first. No need to make new ones that we're not going to enforce anyway. Or they're going to enforce the new ones and let the old ones just go. But this guy received a maximum sentence, and he had to pay a $5,000 fine and undergo a mental evaluation. But he will spend eight months in federal prison, according to the news agency, because he has credit for some time served. But that's great. A politician getting in trouble for violating the law. That, to me, is just phenomenal. And uh, it was funny because he had also had a court order asking him to keep away from his ex-wife. So, you know, this guy's not, he's not a good guy in the first place. I mean, I don't know the child offense things. I don't know the details of that. I couldn't find that. Well, I wasn't looking that hard, but I just didn't find that because I'm thinking, okay, that's all I need to know is that he had charges about that. And that's probably why the judge hammered him, too, because, you know, child offenders are usually disliked by everybody. There's very few people who stand up and go, oh, yay, rights for child offenders. No, there's nobody who does that. That's just an un unforgivable crime in most circumstances. The only circumstance I can forgive that is where they have the Romeo and Juliet cases. One guy's 19, his girlfriend's 16. They get in trouble because he's not a minor and she is. You know, stuff like that, you need to there most states will have exemptions or have leeway for stuff like that. When one's one's a minor, one's not, but they're both very close in age cuz that kind of thing, you know, if it wasn't for that strict line being drawn in the sand, no one would ever worry about that. 
But anyway, that, that's a whole other story. But it's nice to see that politicians can get in trouble for violating the law. It seems like in most most cases, politicians make a few phone calls, grease a few palms, and nothing ever gets done to them. Because I'm sure he would have done whatever he could done to get this swept under the rug, disappear, go away, and not bother him in his career. But apparently that was not going to be the case. We have big news coming out of Illinois. This was actually last week, but we're going to cover it today because I didn't get to it last week. An Illinois Supreme Court has ruled that Cook County's taxes on guns and ammo are in violation of the state's constitution. Six to zero decision. So basically, they had tried to um, impart a tax on guns and ammunition. And this is this is a complete violation of the Second Amendment, and it apparently also violates the Illinois Constitution. This is great because this is the kind of thing that a lot of gun control, I guess, proponents will push. They'll add taxes to things to make it too expensive to be able to exercise your right. They had a $25 tax on all retail purchases of firearms. I think it was like a nickel or 10-cent tax, a one-cent on rim fire, and then a nickel charge on all center fire ammo. So basically, it added tremendously to the cost of guns and ammo. The gun $25 tax is not that big a deal, but if you're buying a $100.22 rifle and you got to pay an extra $25 on it, that's a 25% increase in the cost of the weapon. And they were enforcing this with people who failed to pay the taxes could be subjected to a $1,000 fine for the first offense and a $2,000 fine if you got caught again. So this is just, this is great news that the Supreme Court has come down on the side of truth, justice, and the American way, which includes owning guns. Because I know, uh, was it DC Comics has given up on Superman doing the American way. I remember that in one of the movies, they made a big deal about it because it said truth, justice, and all that stuff. They just dropped the American way, and it's like, come on, Superman is steeped in tradition of the American way, which until lately has been something to be proud of. <laughs> but with Brandon in charge, <laughs> the, the, yeah, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, it's funny because his wife seems to think we should stop doing that because now he thinks his name is Brandon. <laughs> But anyway, with Biden in charge, it's, you know, they're going to try and push for taxes for more restrictive gun laws, anything they can do to disarm the populace. Because why? Because they don't want us to question what they're doing. They don't want us to be able to stand up to them in any way, regardless of what kind of tyrannical ideas they try and push through the Congress and Senate. They want us to just lay down, be weak. And take what they're giving. And a lot of Americans are getting tired of this now. They have overstepped their bounds, and they have for for decades. All the presidents, both sides of the aisle, have overstepped their bounds, overstepped laws that were there. And I'm not pointing fingers at any particular party or not, because I'll tell you right now, Bush Sr. was the one who signed the, the Gun Control Act that stopped br- from bringing in foreign military-style rifles. Those are no longer allowed after he was in charge. And Reagan signed the Hughes Act, which stopped American citizens from owning any newly manufactured fully automatic weapons. Even with a Class Three permit, you were not allowed to have a, man, a weapon manufactured after 1986 in a full auto form. And that Reagan signed that one. So, you know, now granted, the Democrats push through stuff too all the time. Politicians in general are heading after guns. And the one big one that the Democrats did get through was the crime bill. However, 
They were pushed back on enough to where they were able to get a 10-year sunset on it. And fortunately, the president in charge at the time, W. Bush w., uh, George W., would not re-sign to reinstate it. So he allowed Americans to have magazines of standard capacity again. If this was something you lived through from 94 to 2004, you couldn't buy legally any newly manufactured magazines that held more than 10 rounds. They all had to be old manufactured or grandfathered in or something like that. So that's something that the Democrats had done. But most of the stuff the Republicans done was permanent, no sunset, no no pulling back on anything. And granted, of course, people start small. They go, oh, well, no one needs a fully automatic weapon. It's like, well, you don't need one manufactured after a certain date. Well, you know, you shouldn't be able to have this or have that. That is complete bull squeeze. The Constitution does not say you can't have a certain kind of weapon. It just says the right to keep and bear arms, all of them, shall not be infringed. Okay, I added the all of them. But it's funny because people say, oh, the First Amendment protects this, that, and the other. It's like if you read the First Amendment, they specifically say freedom of the press, referring to a printing press, which would not protect speech via radio, TV, Internet, any other modern way of transmission. In fact, it's kind of funny. The government regulates the type of speech that goes over the airwaves, that goes over you know, the Internet or goes over TV. They regulate that very strictly, even though it just passes through the air and comes to you for free. It doesn't need any government help to get to you. However... Newspapers, magazines, things like that, which are not regulated, actually have to travel on government roads. So figure that out. Here, they're using government to get government-provided roads and infrastructure to get this information to you, and that's not taxed or regulated. But yet, internet, radio, TV is regulated, even though it flies freely through the air. Anyway, I diverse. <clears throat> but back to Illinois. So now, of course, after this tax was repealed, gun sales were skyrocketing. You know, you wouldn't think $25 would be that much of an impediment to people who really wanted one, but apparently it made a big deal. And they said the people are going out buying guns and ammo in record numbers. And I'm sure the Cook County politicians are just having a fit about this. Because you can't restrict a citizen's right to exercise his Second Amendment right. There's, there's no there's no way you should be able to do that. Could you imagine if they put a tax on voting? Oh, in order to vote, you have to pay $25. Imagine how far, how upset people would be with that if you impede on their, on their ability to vote or make it more difficult for them. Oh, they would scream all kinds of things. Uh, I don't know, racism, um, you know, class discrimination, whatever. But yet they do that with guns, and that's considered okay. And they had it for years, too. They finally just got it reduced, or they got it r- eliminated. So now there's not a financial burden to keep somebody from owning a firearm, at least an extra financial burden imposed on by one particular county. So that'll be fantastic. Now, I wonder if they're going to – I think what I've read, they're going to try and resubmit this and get it reevaluated to see if they can get it to be reinstated, which would be a horrible idea. Of course, they may try because they'll never stop. They're always going to keep going to try and keep as much gun control as possible. And since this law is already on the books, then they're going to try and keep it. Oh, and there's a five-cent tax for centerfire ammunition and one-cent tax for rimfire ammunition, plus $25 for each weapon, which is now gone. 
So that's great. I love hearing about stuff like that. That just makes my day. All right. Next, we're going to go to where are we going to? We're going to California. <laughs> the land of freedom, right? At least you would think so. They have beautiful weather, they have uh, great scenery, magnificent real estate. Everything is really nice there. But unfortunately, the politics just <laughs> gum everything up. Now, last week, I think we spoke briefly about, what's his name? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Here he is. Okay, we're going to, you know, in case you didn't hear this, he accidentally shooting two people in a prop gun mishap. Actually, I guess it was a real gun that had a bullet loaded in it, and somebody who was not the gun wrangler, from what I understood, handed it to him, and he fired it, and it went off, and there was a live round in the chamber. And he ended up killing one woman and wounding somebody else. So that's and you know I've I have done the job of gun wrangler on a set before. I have been the guy responsible for keeping the guns unloaded, keeping them safe before they go into an actor or actress's hand. I've done this job. I know what it entails. I've done it on two movie sets. And it was definitely somebody's job to check that weapon every time. No, I know they probably get lax. Since I had only done it twice, I was still very astute to making sure I checked everything because this had happened I think the uh, Brandon Lee had just been killed by a, a spare a stray bullet in a gun not too long before this happened so I was very astute as to making sure every time that gun passed into somebody's hands it was checked and rechecked I would check it. I'd show the actor, actress. I said, if you need to go to the bathroom, if you need to set this gun down, you bring it back to me. I will hold it until you get back. Don't just leave it with somebody else. Don't let somebody else hold it. Don't let somebody else touch it. You're responsible for it once it goes from my hand to your hand. And I was teaching them how to familiarize themselves with the weapons. I'd show them how to hold it properly because they wanted to do a good job with their acting. They wanted to act like they knew what they were doing with the weapon. And I did my best to handle that. All right, we're going to come right back. We've got a break coming up. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Veterans Day is fast approaching. On November 11th, please don't forget to take a few moments to honor and thank those that have served so bravely. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about Alec Baldwin shooting a couple of people. You know, and it does happen very often, I'm sure. This has only happened on movie sets on rare occasions. This is only the second uh, time I'm aware of where somebody's actually shot by a weapon that was supposed to be a movie prop. There may be others. I know people have died doing stunts and things like that. 
But he was handed a weapon, told it was a cold weapon, and he was practicing drawing his weapon, pointing it at the camera, pointing it at the people next to the camera. And granted, anybody who knows anything about gun safety knows you just don't do this. But I guess in movies you have to get certain shots, so you have to, you know, throw some of the rules out the window as far as getting the shot you need and things like this. But the fact that they didn't check this weapon before putting it in his hand is just, it's inexcusable. There's no reason why this should have ever happened. Like I said, I've done this job. I've been in that I've been in this guy's shoes, and somebody, from what I understand, somebody picked up the weapon who was not the gun wrangler, handed it to the actor without checking it or getting the gun wrangler to check it. Now, I don't know where the gun wrangler was at the time. I don't know if he was working with somebody else or if he wasn't on set, if he was in the bathroom. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was in his trailer, you know, snorting some powdered sugar. I have no idea. But anyway, somehow, somebody picked up this weapon without going through proper hands and hand it to somebody assuming it was unloaded. And you never assume a gun is unloaded. In fact, you always assume a gun is loaded and you treat it as such. But apparently, Alec Baldwin didn't check it either, but he doesn't know how. He's an actor. He probably doesn't know one end of a gun from the other except when it comes to working in movies with him. That's probably his only experience. I bet he's never fired it well. <laughs> up, until, <laughs> up until a couple of weeks ago, he never fired a real gun at all. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. It was it, it was a tragic accident, but the fact that he shot somebody, you know, and probably his first time ever shooting a real gun. But now it's funny because he was a hardcore, um, I guess, opponent of the NRA. And one of the things he should have been doing is taking NRA safety class. <laughs> he should have taken the class that shows him, check the gun to make sure it's not loaded. Don't point it in an unsafe direction. Make sure if you're backstop, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. All these things would have helped him avoid shooting and killing somebody and wounding somebody else. Now, this was interesting. There were reports that the crew members were using some of the film's firearms for target shooting. Do you even want to know how big the red flag is that goes with that one? And apparently they didn't unload everything before putting them back into the the prop area or where the guns go. Somebody left a live round in a weapon. Besides, you're not supposed to be shooting on... I mean, I guess they have room. They were out somewhere... Where was it? Arizona or something? Or uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find out where this movie was shot. Shot. It's in Mexico, in New Mexico. I shot the story. So there's lots of land out there. There's probably lots of opportunity for target shooting and things like that. But the fact that the crew took the guns out, went shooting with them, and then returned them without unloading them is, you know, mistake number one. That was the first mistake. The second mistake was not checking the guns. When they returned them, they should have handed them to the gun wrangler who should have checked them before putting them back into the prop area third mistake somebody handed alec baldwin a gun without checking it without it going through the gun wrangler's hands to see if there was anything in it so there were there's three mistakes right there that i can see that were made that led up to this unfortunate accident this tragic accident so it's just it's just a matter of and now i imagine people get lax on movie sets because they do it all day long in and out and they never have an issue for probably years and years and years they do this and never have an issue with this now, I wonder if the gun wrangler was aware that somebody had taken the guns from the prop area and used them to go target shooting in the, in, back of the, in the back of the scenes or wherever. You figure a gun going off, even on a movie set, would be heard from quite a distance away. 
and who knows where the gun wrangler was at this time. I'd love to know who this guy was or how long or he or she had been in their position, how long it had been being done. Had they just grown lax by sheer volume of the number of movies they've wrangled guns on? But then I say, I can track it down to three separate mistakes. First, they shouldn't be allowed to take them off the prop table and use them. Secondly, someone should have checked them back into the prop table. And thirdly, someone should have checked it before handing it to an actor. So, I mean, I know when I was doing this job, all those things would have, first of all, no one would take a gun out of the prop area unless they were getting ready to shoot a scene. They were kept in a locked box until somebody needed them, and I had the key. I unlocked them, handed them the weapon, showed them it was. I checked it, then I showed them it was unloaded, it, whether they knew or not. I showed them how to operate a cylinder or check a pull a slide back to check a magazine, pull the magazine out, pull the chamber open to check it. The one thing I did not do, which I probably should have, was run chamber flags. But I didn't do that at the time. I didn't have enough to do it, I don't think. But anyway, but nobody got hurt. Nobody got shot. And even though we were using blanks, I taught all the actors, you never fire even a blank firing weapon directly at somebody. Because there's cardboard and powder and things that are going to come out. And even with that, you can still get burned clothing. You can still get particles in eyes and stuff like that. And I mentioned to the actor shooting, like there was one guy who was supposed to be shooting somebody in the leg, in the thigh. He was sitting down, cross-legged, and he was supposed to shoot him in the thigh. And I said, don't aim directly at their leg. Go six or eight inches off to the side. From where the camera was standing, it'll look like you're shooting them, especially if they have the reaction in time. It's going to work perfectly. No one's going to know you weren't aiming the gun directly at them. And I told the person getting shot, make sure even if you're speaking to him when he does it, remember to start closing your eyes just in case there's burn powder flying around or bits of paper from the blanks. You don't want to get anything in your eyes in particular. And everybody had safety briefings before handling or being in any scene with a weapon. And I'm sure in Hollywood, they do it so often, they get lackadaisical about it. And that's what happened here. So many mistakes were made that led to this. And it was just kind of a perfect storm of a multitude of errors being being perpetrated all at the same time. But anyway, they say the investigation is still ongoing. They're trying to find fault with somebody because somebody's got to be responsible when... You know, there's so many people involved in it. It was purely an accident. No one meant for this to happen. It was never intended by any stretch. And, you know, accidents happen. To err is human. You know, it it, it goes. But, okay, so all this happened, and now there's a California Democrat calling for a gun ban on all Hollywood sets. Now, that's, I don't know about you guys, but that's going to make a lot of movies very boring, or at least take a different direction. Can you imagine, you know, action movies? With no guns involved? Well, maybe they can... When I was a kid, we used to have a uh, rubber band gun that shot rubber bands. Maybe maybe, maybe could, Nerf could come up with something yeah. for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Rubber bands, Nerf guns, something like that. Uh, but this guy wants to ban the use of all weapons on Hollywood sets. Hard finger. Bang, bang. You're dead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's really pretend as if acting is not pretend enough. So he wants to ban all firearms and live ammunition from movie sets. Now, the live ammunition is probably not a bad idea because I don't believe they use too much live ammunition on movie sets anyway. At least they shouldn't be. Maybe they do for certain scenes, but I'm sure when they do that, they're very careful, you know, and that's done in a place where you can use it. So he wants to use only blank firing prop guns. Now, what these usually do is have a chamber that's a very specific shape to where it will not chamber any type of real ammunition. 
And but granted, these are very expensive props. Most people don't have enough of them. They don't have enough of them in Hollywood to make that much of a difference. Now they could start manufacturing these or retrofitting real guns with these, and they'd never be able to be fired again as a real gun. But it's you know I understand it was an accident. It happens. It is extremely rare, however. This is not something I think we need to make laws about as well as follow the protocol that was already there. Again, we don't need new rules. We need to follow the rules that were already there. I mean, even if all this were put into play, if somebody had snuck a real gun onto the set or or put something in one of the prop guns that could have hurt somebody, it could have happened. If the three mistakes hadn't been made ahead of this shooting, then there'd be no issue with it. There'd be no problem. Nobody would have got hurt, killed. And Alec Baldwin wouldn't have to know that he killed somebody. And as much as I dislike Alec Baldwin, I still don't find him at fault for this because he was not the gun wrangler. He was not the gun expert. He was not the one responsible for making sure the gun was not loaded. Now, if he had, if I had been the gun wrangler on his set and he was handling any of the guns, I would have shown him how to check them. And I would have said, you know, if anyone hands you this gun, I'm going to open it. I'm going to check it. I'm going to show you. If you want to check it again, here's how you do it. And apparently it was a revolver. So it would have been very easy to teach somebody just to swing a cylinder out and look and make sure there's nothing in any of the cylinders. That would have been so easy to do. (sighs) But there's, you know, and like I say, it's a rare incident. It doesn't happen very often. In fact, very rarely. But now, of course, there's going to be a renewed interest in keeping things safe on movie sets. Usually it takes a tragic accident to force people into changing the way they do things. And apparently somebody was lax. They didn't do their job. Things were done improperly. The chain of custody was not kept up as it was supposed to be. Like I say, I've done this job. I know what it takes. I was extremely careful in all the gun handling on all the sets I ever worked on. Everything was checked before every scene was shot, especially if it was going to be handled by somebody. And if I didn't have eyes on it, If it left my sight and someone asked me to check it again, of course I would. But I told any actor that had it, you make sure you maintain control of this weapon. If you have to set it down or hand it to anybody else, you bring it back to me. I'm the only other person who should handle this other than you. And if you need to hand it to somebody else in in some time, you bring it to me, I check it, I hand it back to that other person. It goes through me every time. Maybe they'll just add some stricter implementation implementation of some of the rules that they already have in place. So that would prevent any future Hollywood accidents from happening. Well, I say Hollywood accidents. I mean, actors and actresses have kids all the time, which in this day and age is probably be an accident anyway because of their political leanings, but ugh, that's no time for that now. <laughs> okay, there was something here from uh, back in August. This is a kind of a long article, but I'm going to kind of summarize it. There are some states that are talking about implementing assault weapon rules, and a lot of the assault weapon rules just have to do with features on the gun. They don't have anything to do with the weapon itself. One type of weapon you can have with a detachable box magazine, as long as it doesn't have a pistol grip or have a thumbhole stock or have a muzzle brake on it or some sort of flash suppressor, if it doesn't have a, a lug on the front to mount a bayonet, you know, all those things will make it not not fall into the class of what they call assault weapons. Even though assault weapon is not a term for almost any civilian weapons unless you have a class 3 license and have a select fire weapon. It's just a term the media likes to use to make you think they're dangerous. Assault is a verb. It's not something a weapon would do by itself. That's something a person does. 
The assault is on the person using the weapon, not the gun itself. But anyway, now they're talking about if you put a bayonet on an existing weapon, it could change its classification. And this is just ridiculous. I mean, how is a knife stuck to the bottom of a gun going to change the way it works, change the way it functions, change the way it's able to fire? It's not. Just like I've said before, putting racing stripes on your Toyota Corolla does not make it a race car. <laughs> putting a pistol grip on a weapon does not make it an assault weapon. But they, they once the 94 crime bill went through and they had all these designations, now all these states are using this as a guideline to enforce all these new laws they're coming up with, all these new ways to restrict the right to keep and bear arms. And this is just causing all kinds of issue in people in non-free states. Now, most of these states, as you know, is probably Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California, Washington, Oregon. And there's a few states here and there in the flyover zones that have some stuff you know, on the books. But most of the assault weapons ban disappeared when it sunsetted in 2004. But just be aware, if you live in one of these restrictive states, you may have an issue if you have to put, if you want to put a bayonet on a weapon. This may be an issue. You, you, you may have to, you may be violating a law by having a bayonet mount on a weapon. If you change a part of your AR-15 and it has a bayonet mount on it, that may be enough to get you in trouble and have it classified as an assault weapon. So be very careful in these non-free states if you're modifying any kind of weapons because the slightest thing can make a huge difference and cause you to have problems, maybe legal problems, which I don't want any of my gun friends to have legal problems. I want you guys to enjoy the weapons without having to go through all the the legal restrictions of these non-free states. But just be aware of that. It's something I ran across and I thought it was kind of silly, but I realized, you know, if you live in a non-free state, this could be the difference between going to jail and not going to jail by putting a uh, a new front sight post on your weapon that has a bayonet lug on it. You may not even know what the lug looks like or what it's there for, but because it's there, that little chunk of metal, which is a tiny little probably half-inch by three-eighths inch piece of metal that sticks off the bottom of the of the gun, that could be the difference between making it legal and illegal. Because, you know, right now, the gun grabbers are trying anything to gain control and stop American citizens from having weapons. Although it's interesting that they're willing to give $450,000 to illegal immigrants coming in the state. Makes you almost want to go to Mexico, live for a couple years, and come back in illegally and see if you can get your money. Well, we'll see if that actually goes through. I just don't know if that's truly going to happen or not. Now, here's one other thing. This is big news. I think it's good news. Remington Firearms is the nation's oldest manufacturer of guns. They started making flintlock rifles in 1816, so they've been around for over 200 years. And they are finally moving from New York to a free state. That free state is Georgia. That's right. They're moving to Georgia. Where was that exactly? Troop County, Georgia. Over a five-year period, they're going to be moving into a $100 million newly built facility, hiring about 800 to, to 900 people to work at these places. And this is great. They're moving to a free state. The taxes are going to be lower. The weapons they manufacture can be sold to anybody in the state as long as they're you know not fully automatic. I don't know if Remington makes any of those, if they have any military contracts. But this is a company with a 200-year history of being in New York. So there you go. And they're moving to a free state now. They're getting out of where they are. The, the taxes were too high. The restrictions were too great. 
and the governments themselves and these non-free states are hostile to these businesses. Why would you want to run a business in a state that's hostile to what you do, that's opposed to what you manufacture, opposed to what you make? How could that possibly be something that you would want to do? I don't know. And apparently a lot of these companies are starting to do that now. They're looking at other places to go. I remember a company named Magpul moved from Colorado because Colorado had implemented new stricter restrictions. Stricter restrictions? Yeah, I guess there are stricter restrictions on magazine capacity and uh, magazine ownership, things like that. And Magpul is a huge manufacturer of magazines. And they kind of said, they went, you know what? We don't want to manufacture things in a state where our products are not allowed to go into the hands of the citizens of these states, but yet can go into the hands of citizens in a majority of other states. We're going to move our facility somewhere where we have a state that is more friendly to gun accessory manufacturing, to magazine capacities, and things like that. And, of course, everybody in Georgia was very excited to have Remington coming here. I mean, this is a company steeped in tradition and steeped in history. They have so many weapons, you could start counting how many they make for, you know, for generations of shooters, sportsmen, and probably and military alike. They've all but they've been making guns for over 200 years. So this is the kind of company that any state would welcome if they are a freer state. And that's, I believe, why they're moving. I don't know if they say that. But it's going to be millions of dollars of investment in the new state and hundreds and hundreds of people employed. So that sounds like a great idea. And the... The governor said he welcomes the Georgia governor was his name Kemp said he will welcome Remington firearms to Georgia and the traditions that they have. So that's fantastic. One more place moving to a free state. So, all right, we're going to have to take a quick break here. Come back in a few minutes, and I got some interesting stuff to cover about preparedness. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to the Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. Okay. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army with training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering. An Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, and, so you'll be uh, taken like care of, too. Show. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Veterans Day is fast approaching. On November 11th, please don't forget to take a few moments to honor and thank those that have served so bravely. Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio, where we strive to present the truth on all accounts. Now, granted, some of some of the opinions are those of the people who broadcast here, but we always try to present the truth, the facts. The facts will always set you free. And right now, it's so hard to see that in journalism because so many people are so opposed to having the truth exposed. That's one thing that was interesting that's coming up now. Is, uh, I don't know if you guys have been following it, but the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is going on right, ne- right now. Now, in case you didn't know, this is Kyle Rittenhouse was a guy who was in, uh, where was he, in Minnesota, Wisconsin. 
This is when in Kenosha, when the riots exploded up there and people were burning businesses, flipping cars over, attacking police officers. It was just, it was complete chaos and laws are being ignored over and over again. Now, this kid was up there. He was 17, I believe, at the time. And he was there. He would, he had studied first aid and he was in, I believe he was a, a low class EMT, but he was there to help people. That was his original goal there was to help people who were wounded or were, had, uh, gotten hurt somehow he was going to offer them assistance later on in the day someone was worried about their business being being burned destroyed vandalized and they asked him to help and of course he seems like the kind of guy i've never met him but he seems like the kind of guy willing to help other people the fact that he studied to be an emt and he had first aid experience was willing to give it to anybody who needed it means this guy is probably there to help now they said here we're going to watch this business we're going to guard it to keep people from destroying it and he was handed an ar a loaded ar-15 which he had had experience in using he knew how to how to use it he had taken classes he had competed he knew what he was doing so he was using this ar-15 and then apparently people started rushing the business started trying to get in there trying to destroy it and they separated him from the other people he was watching the business with and started chasing him down the street. So one guy had a skateboard, somebody had a pistol. They were chasing him down the street, trying to attack him. He was trying to escape danger. He was trying to get away. He had given up his post of guarding the business and was just trying to get free. And these people pursued him. One person had hit him on the head with a skateboard. That person he turned around, shot, and killed because he is there you could see the video if you watch the video of this the guy had hit him once and he was raising it up to slam it down on him again and that's when he got shot and killed which he deserved he was threatening this kid's life he needed to go away he needed to be drt dead right there there's no excuse for that if you're threatening somebody's life and you don't stop you need to you need to either die or get stopped somehow where you won't be able to threaten anybody again so he got killed Another guy was chasing him down, tried to grab his weapon out of his hand. He got shot and killed. Because, you know, you don't grab a gun out of somebody's hand. That's just stupid, especially while you're chasing them where they're trying to escape you. He was trying to get away from danger, and they pursued him, actively pursued him, trying to do him harm. The third guy who lived, actually, he went, chased him down, and when he fell down to the ground, he was you could see him aiming his weapon around. This gentleman pulled a pistol and started pointing it at him. Kyle fired at him, hit him in the bicep, and disabled his arm. So he was unable to hold the pistol at that point. So he eliminated the threat without killing him. But right now the trial is going on because he is being accused of murder. And, of course, the defense is saying this is self-defense all day long without any issue at all. There's no reason why this should even be brought to trial. But, of course, being that it happened during, during a riot scene, they're going to try and exploit this as much as they can and make this into the gun's fault. But hadn't been for the gun, there'd be no violence, which we know is not true. There were people wounded, shot, you know, businesses burned to the ground, police cars overturned and set on fire. There was so much violence going on. You can't say that this one kid did everything. In fact, I don't know that I would be as calm and cool as collected as he was in this situation. He fired at these people and didn't hit a single innocent bystander. Everybody he fired upon was attacking him, chasing him, trying to stop him in some way from escaping them. And the last guy who got shot in the arm, he actually got called to the witness stand. Now, the first thing you need to know about him is he was a protester. 
That's what he did. For 75 days, he was traveling to wherever there were protests, and he would go and participate in these protests. And he had his gun with him, his pistol, which I believe he legally owned. However, his permit to carry had expired, and he was illegally carrying it concealed. But they got him on the witness stand. They talked to him. They asked him questions. They asked him what was going on. Why did you pursue this person when they left? All these questions, and he really didn't have good answers for that, but then he made a fatal mistake as far as blowing up the prosecution's case. They were talking to him about his pistol, what he did with it, why Why would he, Why did he have it in his hand. He goes, well, I pointed it at the guy to try and get him to give it. So you pointed your pistol at the guy, at Kyle, first, and then he shot you. Yes. I pointed my gun. Okay, boom. You just threatened a guy's life, and you got shot for it. There goes the prosecution's case if it was not self-defense. Had he pointed, you know, even the skateboard guy, if he had hit him once and stopped, he probably would have lived. But when he came after him to try and hit him again, no, that's, that's when you put an end to it. That's when he deserves a little vaccine of lead and copper. <laughs> of course, that vaccine happened to be deadly. We're still not sure on these other ones that are out. But he, had, uh, this guy carried a Glock pistol that was illegal concealed, and he made the admission that he had pointed the weapon at Rittenhouse before he was shot. Now this, right then and there, that should be a case of, okay, this is self-defense, plain and simple, game, set, match, it's over with, it's done. But no, they're going to try and placate all these liberal, woke idiots up there who think Kyle was in the wrong. Anytime someone's trying to escape a violent scene and you chase them down and they shoot you, hey, you're asking for it. You might as well stand there and uh, take swings at this guy until he shoots you in the face. That's all there is to it. Don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. You know, just let them be. All they had to do was let them run away. And then he tried to surrender that night to the authorities, and they were not, you know, they were not paying attention to anybody standing in the street with a gun on, <laughs> even though he wasn't pointing at anybody. But he turned himself in the next day, said what he had done, explained the scenario to them. And now he's first going to court. This was several years ago, too. God, I'm trying to remember. This was 2020. This is last year, actually. Yeah, last year, August. So it's been over a year since this happened. But he killed the skateboarder and he killed the other guy. And uh, this guy got away with just a blown-up arm. He shot him in the arm with his AR-15. And during the shooting of these three pistols, he, or three people, he never shot anybody who didn't deserve it, who wasn't threatening him in some way. His marksmanship was exemplary. It was perfect. It was on point, so to speak. But, yeah, but now that this guy had admitted he pointed a gun at somebody before it started, there you go. And you're going to wonder, okay, what are the key elements in self-defense? So this article actually covers this really well. He is a this guy Andrew Bronca is a use, a force a use of force lawyer who runs the Law of Self-Defense website, saying there are five key elements in self-defense. One, innocence. You can't have started the fight. Obviously, Kyle didn't start the fight. He was running away from these guys. He was trying to get distance between them. He was trying to escape them. If they had let him go, none of this would have happened. If they had just turned around and walked away or not chased him more than a a few feet, it never would have happened. Imminence. You are in imminent danger of great bodily injury or death. The guy swinging a skateboard at your head, the other guy chasing him down, trying to grab his weapon away, presumably to use it on him. But uh, there you go. The imminent danger was there. There was no question about it. Were you reasonable in your reaction? Reasonableness. 
Okay, we're going to have to cover the rest of these when we come back, but we're going to go over these one more time. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. Right before we left, we were talking about the rules of self-defense, the five key elements. One, innocence. You cannot have started the fight. Two, imminence. You are in imminent danger of great bodily harm or death. Proportionality. (coughs) Excuse me. Proportionality. Use deadly force if you are confronted with deadly force. That one has some... uh, some issues depending on what kind of weapon you're using, but someone trying to bash your brains in with a skateboard after they already hit you once, you know, I mean, was it right to shoot them? They weren't stopping. Even though you had a gun pointed at them, they were not stopping, which tells me they wouldn't have stopped until you were dead and lifeless in the street. Reasonableness. Were you reasonable in your reaction? Again, somebody's trying to kill you or do you great bodily harm. Shooting them is a perfectly reasonable reaction to that. Avoidance. Run away if possible before using deadly force. This is clearly the case here. He was running down the street. These guys were chasing him down, knocked him to the ground, tried to grab his weapon, tried to bash his head in. That's when he fired. And he was careful about it, too. He he didn't hit any innocent bystanders. He only shot the people who were actively attacking him and meaning to do him harm. So all five of these had been met clearly. There was no reason why this should have been anything other than a clear self-defense case. And I just it seems amazing that they waste the time and effort to even have this go to court. Now, in the morning testimony, the Glock-holding idiot claimed Rittenhouse had re-racked his gun trying to shoot him, but the weapon didn't work. And that was the theory the prosecution was using, but, but there had been no other testimony to back up that claim. But it hardly matters because the state's top witness just admitted in the court that he was worried about Kyle Rittenhouse's great bodily injury after witnessing others beat him. He followed Rittenhouse as he fled to get to the police. 
And he knew Rittenhouse was fleeing away from the mob and toward the police. And yet he still proceeded to chase him down and brandished a pistol, pointed it at him before he was shot. So I don't care who you are. This is that self-defense clearly and positively without any doubt. If they had allowed him to run away, nobody would have got hurt. But you know what? It's not it's they're making this into a big deal because of the political I guess the, the political background behind the protest. They want to try and say, "Oh, this is some white kid who shot other people during a protest that was originally a Black Lives Matter issue, I believe." Somebody was killed. But you know what? This guy this kid was purely acting in self-defense. There's no way you could interpret this any other way and now it looks like even the prosecution's star witness is admitting that he pointed his weapon at Kyle first before being shot so how do you how do you argue that after this i wonder how this it looks like this is obviously an open and shut case but of course the prosecution is going to argue this to the end of the earth trying to make him out to be the bad guy but Kyle just protected himself from being killed by these thugs that made up this mob if you want to protest, that's fine. March in the street, hold a sign. You know, the best way is to do it with your wallet. Don't go to businesses that you don't believe are or that you believe are prosecuting people or are racially discriminating against people. Don't go to those businesses. Don't give them your money. Don't spend your money with them. There you go. It's very simple. That's the easiest way, and to me, one of the most effective ways to protest. But whenever you start doing violence, break, you know, smashing in windows, breaking into businesses, burning businesses down, flipping cars over and setting them on fire, this is not a protest. This is a riot. And you are members of a violent mob. You are not a protester at this point. Once you commit an act of violence, you have given up your right to call yourself a protester. You are a rioter. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that I believe probably... Without a doubt, Martin Luther King Jr. was probably the greatest civil rights activist of the last hundred years. And yet he never broke into any buildings. He never burned any businesses down. He never set any cars on fire. He never committed violence against anybody in the name of a protest. And yet he's the guy who we have a holiday name for. He's the guy whose words ring forever when he gives his I Have a Dream speech. That's the kind of person I would call a protester. He was protesting. He was getting his point across. He was not destroying anybody. He was not killing anybody, harming businesses. And the worst thing was most of these businesses that they destroyed were in the neighborhoods that were predominantly black. So Black Lives Matters were destroying their own neighborhoods. And if you ever owned a business, you know business insurance doesn't cover near what it needs to. And they're telling these people, oh, you have insurance. It's like you might or you might not. Sometimes, like, I, I've owned a business, and we couldn't get glass insurance because it was too expensive. Because the panes were, you know, six to $800 a piece, and whenever they got broken, it was expensive and time-consuming to get them replaced. And the glass insurance is going to be like six to $8,000 a year. So we took a chance that we wouldn't break 10 panes, that we wouldn't have 10 panes of glass broken every year. Because it would take more than that to make up the difference in the insurance we would have to buy. So a lot of these businesses suffered huge losses. Plus, when people were rioting, they were looting all these stores, taking all their inventory, you know, destroying the stores on the inside, and then burning them to the ground. So these people who had a lifelong dream of owning a business, they were destroying it by their rioting. 
And don't tell me it's a protest. It was a riot. But anyway, you know, that's the kind of thing that people need to consider. When you're protesting, are you doing it in a way that will get people's attention and get their sympathy for you as well? Or are you doing it in a way that will enrage people as to what you're doing? People usually don't like it when you harm other people, when you destroy people's hopes and dreams, when you destroy their businesses, their means of making a living. You destroy those things of somebody, no one's going to be sympathetic towards your cause. I mean, the cause of equality in race is a, is a fantastic cause. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you implement it with violence and destruction, you're totally turning people away from it. You're getting them off track, and that's no way to get people to believe in your cause. So if you want to protest, that's fine. But if you want to riot, you're, you're dragging down the name of any particular organization that is supporting you. Because no one is going to stand up and say, oh, yeah, we need to burn stuff to the ground. We need to destroy and harm people. We need to tear up the streets and loot businesses. That's, that's, there's no excuse for that at all. But anyway, with all this that was going on, I kind of wondered how many people looked at this and said, oh, yeah, this is what we need to do. This is what needs to happen. And it's funny because this type of protesting or rioting is exactly what caused gun sales to go skyrocketing, to go through the roof, ammunition shortages to become nationwide, gun shortages to be all over the country. This is what caused it because people see law enforcement ignoring violence, destruction, and harming of people and property, and they say, oh, my gosh, the police can't protect those people. I need to protect myself. And as I've told you probably a 100 times before, you always should be considered your own first responder. And that doesn't just mean carry a gun and shoot the bad guy. It means be prepared in case somebody shoots you or shoots a member of your family. Are you prepared? Do you have first aid ready? Do you have any first aid experience? Would you want to get some? Always a good idea. And it looks like now the gun shortage has kind of gone away to on most most instances the guns are available again the prices have still remained a little bit high but most of them have fallen back down to where they're somewhat reasonable they're not down to pre-protesting prices yet but i think they're on their way because the supply is catching up the gun manufacturers have really stepped up ammunition is still a little high but it's coming back down also and if you don't need it try not to buy it because that will only cause prices to get lower and lower if we if we can diminish the demand temporarily, it will cause the supply to increase, which will cause prices to come back down. So keep that in mind. When you're buying ammo, buy what you need. If you want one extra box, fine. But don't buy 10 extra boxes or buy everything they have just to keep the next guy from getting it. Because that's going to keep the supply low and the demand very high, and prices will remain high. So if you complain about the prices and you're doing this, you're part of the problem. And I understand when there's shortages like this, people panic. They get upset to think they're not going to be able to get something would drive somebody nuts. It's like toilet paper. Oh, my God. What if we ran out of toilet paper? Oh, my gosh. I need to buy 17 cases of toilet paper or 20,000 cases of toilet paper. There was a guy uh, that had bought hundreds and hundreds of cases of toilet paper and then tried to bring it back to Costco when he when the shortage was not as bad as he thought and he couldn't make as much money on it as he thought he could. And Costco told him No. <laughs> <laughs> Anything sold during that panic, that draw, was a non-returnable. So I thought that was great. Now, if you're trying to buy stuff just to exploit your fellow man, then you're not a very nice person. Now, I understand there's supply and demand, there's capitalism, all that comes into play. But when it comes down to a time of an emergency, yeah, if you're bringing a generator from 
Arkansas to Louisiana, yes, you have to charge more for it. You have to charge for your time. You have to charge for your transportation. You have to charge for all the effort you put into getting them and bringing them down. Understand that. You're not going to just flip it over, make what you paid for it, and put all the other expenses aside. You have to make money at doing it. Your time is worth something. But don't go out of your way to try and screw people when you think there's going to be an opportunity. I mean, granted, capitalism works on supply and demand. So we need to know, as gun people, let's help everybody get whatever they need by not buying much more than we need to buy. Now, when prices are low and the supply is high, buy whatever you want. You know, stock up on stuff then. Don't wait till the demand is way high and the supply is diminished to start stocking up on stuff. That'll cost you way more money. And then after that, after way more money, it's still going to be harmful to the supply and demand. So just keep that in mind when you're shopping. That Guns are going to be available. Price of ammo is falling down. All this is coming around. Be patient, and everybody will have everything they need in the guns and ammo department soon, I think, I believe. It seems to be showing now. Now, the supply chain issues with guns and ammo, that's going to be another story for the imported stuff. All right. Keep that in mind. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you have been listening to America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.